The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message. Over my years of walking with Jesus, uh, he has been so kind to meet me in the deepest parts of my heart and mind. I want to just let you know that I've been through a lot of extreme stress in my life from a broken home uh, with a mentally ill father and then being estranged from him. I then had a lot of serious physical illness, um, including while I was working in Tanzania in East Africa, so it was extra complicated. I've been parenting two adopted daughters, each with their own different history and wounds. And then in the past two and a half years, uh, that stress uh, and trauma has reached a whole new level of chaotic events with severe mental illness in our family. It has been really, really tough, draining and painful. What I want to share with you today is some of what Jesus has taught me from the Bible and often taught me when I'm praying with other women, things that he's just showed me um, from himself. And then some practical ways for us to welcome the Holy Spirit into the center of our thoughts and emotions, because that's what real wholeness is. I want to just say I don't claim that I never struggle. I think it's very biblical to talk honestly about struggle as believers. And before I start, I do also want to just make clear that mental health and emotions are complex. And what I say today is not meant to give you the message that doctors or counselors are not for Christian believers. Or that that getting uh, professional help is somehow not spiritual. God can use those things as part of his loving plan to bring stability, healing, or just support, or to lead us in circumstances and and relationships. Jesus cares for our mental health, and he understands how debilitating and painful and destructive mental illness can be for the ones who are suffering and for those who are connected with them. So what does it look like for us to welcome Jesus as King and Lord over our minds and to fill our thoughts and emotions with his Holy Spirit? Throughout the Bible, we read of the God who expresses emotion. When he interacts with people or gives messages through the prophets, he is not blank or disconnected. If you have heard the Bible read badly in a monotone voice with no expression, I'm sorry. Because we see there in the Bible deep emotion in the heart of God. He is a God who gives himself to his people and therefore sometimes makes him vulnerable. He's a God who responds to his people and reacts to them. He expresses anguish, grief, hate, and disgust. He expresses distress, sadness, anger, exasperation, weariness, or feeling rejected. 
God expresses passionate commitment, longing, love, delight, joy, and he is holy. We are made in God's image. Our minds and emotions are created by God. When Jesus was born into our world, fully God and fully man without sin, he lived as a holy human. Read a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and look at how Jesus lives, submitted to the Father, filled with the Spirit. He is not blank or emotionless. Jesus is not disconnected from people or beyond responding to situations. Yet his deep emotions are holy. Let's look at a verse from, from Gethsemane. Jesus is facing the reality of how he will suffer at the cross. Matthew 26, verse 37. He began, this Jesus, began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus feels deep emotion. Another translation says he was deeply grieved and agitated. Then Jesus falls to the ground and prays three times that the father would take the cup of suffering away from him. And he surrenders, praying, not my will, but yours be done. We see in Jesus a picture of wholeness. In Luke's gospel, uh, at this point in Gethsemane, we see Jesus sweating drops of blood and God sends angels to strengthen him. Jesus was without sin, but he did not face the cross with a serene blank face or a spiritual smile or a happy dance. Jesus showed holy emotion and he was honest in his prayers. So here's the really good news. Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us in our messy world, all the things that impact our thoughts and emotions. Jesus experienced and redeemed our humanness. Jesus redeemed our, our mess at the cross and carried all the weight of sin. When he rose again, he conquered darkness and death for you. So he understands the world we live in. He has dealt with all the sin that hurts you at the cross. Jesus has victory over all the mess and victory over the evil one. Therefore, he can give us wholeness. The problem is sometimes our image of God gets mixed up with the image of people who looked after us or taught us or maybe a pastor. Do you remember those uh, photos if you're older? where you used to get two images, one on top of the other. Or maybe if you're a little younger, you've seen those apps on the phones where you can mix two people's faces together. Well, sometimes that's what happens with, with, with us, our history and then, and then God. So let's look in scripture at a true picture of God. One of the names of God is El Roy, the God who sees. Genesis 16, verse 13, you are the God who sees me. For Hagar said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And then Psalm 31, verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw 
my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. He is the God who sees you, the real you, and he knows your heart and your soul. He knows the affliction. He knows the anguish. Think about how people talked to you or treated you when you showed emotion. God's love for you is not selfish or embarrassed. God does not put his hands over his ears and say, I can't deal with this or you're too much. He does not say, I don't have time for this. He does not say, toughen up or get over it, fix it, let it go. He does not say, don't make a fuss. God is not an army instructor yelling, do better, go faster. You must show no weakness. I don't care. Just keep going. That is not who he is. Sometimes we think of God like a teacher talking with the child from a traumatic home situation who looks messy and is struggling to concentrate. We think about the teacher saying, I don't care what's going on at home. Just do your work and make sure it's neat. That is not who God is to us. No, this is who he is. Isaiah 41 verse 13 says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says, Do not fear, I will help you. John 16 verse 33, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you hear his heart for you? God doesn't want us to drown in our thoughts and emotions or to let them control us or define us. God doesn't want us to listen to feelings over the truth of his word or choose self over him. He does not say we can allow our emotions to lead us into sin. He does not say, however you feel, you must let your heart lead. Jesus says, and we see it in these scriptures, come to me. I am greater than your emotions, greater than your thoughts and your circumstances. I want to reign over them as king if you will welcome me in. I will hold you and I will help you. I will give you myself. I am your peace and I have overcome the world. Look at these pictures of God's attentive, loving kindness for you. Psalm 103, verse 13 to 14. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The righteous are those who are in relationship with God. That includes us. The Holy Spirit is a sp the spirit of the father of compassion who is attentive to our cry. 
and has his loving eyes on us. He is the spirit of the selfless saviour who suffered in our world for us and who is now praying for us. Therefore, however other people have hurt us, we can trust that God's spirit is good for us. He is attentive to our cry and he can help us if we let him into every part of our hearts and minds. When we bring guests into our house, we want them to stay in the clean and tidy places. We don't want them in the messy places, in the garage or in the attic. We don't want them in the closets or the drawers, where, in those places where we put all the things that we don't know what to do with. So a couple of weeks ago, we had to have the pest control people out to our house. In order to be helped, I had to let them into all the rooms and every wardrobe and every closet. There was nowhere to hide the mess. I did not like that. It was hard, but I trusted that it was necessary and I really needed it, so I let them in. Jesus longs to meet you in every part of your heart and mind, in every messy box and chaotic drawer, or maybe you need to allow him into those well-ordered, tightly sealed boxes that are hidden out of sight in the attic of your mind. Sometimes the thoughts and feelings are too hard for us to face ourselves, or we have to ignore them, we feel to survive. We may not feel God even sees or cares. He is speaking to us in a loving voice. Will you let me in? I want to clean and set you free and heal and lead and redeem and love you. I want to be with you even in those places. Jesus understands us and is a gentle, skillful healer. So he will not overwhelm us by making us unpack everything all at once. But he asks, will you let me in? God has given his Holy Spirit to live with us and in us. And so we need to welcome him into the center of our thought patterns, our self-talk, our feelings, and our reactions to life. Our thoughts and emotions surrendered to Jesus as Lord covered by his blood and filled with his spirit can be whole and holy. When we do not welcome Jesus into our thoughts and feelings as king, then our thoughts and feelings begin to rule us. Living for God is not about trying to have faith instead of emotions, but rather inviting the spirit to fill our deepest emotions and feelings and to free us, heal us and transform us and to give us the mind of Christ. When we welcome God's spirit, he can lead us to love the Lord with all of our mind. The Bible tells us God wants to give us his shalom. That means wholeness and peace over our hearts, minds and bodies. We surrender ourselves to God and ask him to fill us with his spirit. So emotions do not have to be about self-pity or self-obsession. God's shalom means wholeness with Jesus at the center of all our hearts and minds, not self at the center. 
when we welcome him to be our shalom in that way, he can bring the fruit of the spirit in our lives. God wants to give you his shalom wholeness in grief and stress, and pain, anxiety and depression. He wants to give you his shalom wholeness in relationships, in self-talk, in confusion, in reactions. So we can come to God honestly, if that's who he is for us. Romans 8, uh, verse 14 to 15 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I think sometimes the way we think about prayer is almost like a little child who is hurting, but they must present their parent with a well thought out essay to explain their feelings and point out the positives in their difficult situation. And it must be neatly written. That is ridiculous. A baby or a young child will simply cry out, mommy, or say it hurts. And this scripture tells us that those who are led by God's spirit are filled with the spirit of adoption. The same spirit that was in Jesus cries out in Oz, Abba, my daddy, Papa. It is a cry of dependence and surrender. That's what wholeness means. Look at how God lovingly wants to give us himself. John 14, verse 16 talking about the Holy Spirit again, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, the one alongside us. That's what the Greek word means. And the one who fights for us, he's our helper. Some Bible translations say the comforter and the counselor. And then 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is God's promise and his command for our thoughts and emotions. It is not that we try to be strong and in control ourselves. No, wholeness is dependency on God. Wholeness is about welcoming the Holy Spirit to be our advocate, our helper, and Christ's own power in our weakness. So here's a question. Should believers always have joy? Yes, God himself is our hope and joy. So does that mean believers should stay positive, smiley, and happy all the time? No. The world is broken. The Bible tells us all creation is groaning for God's redemption. There is real evil, and there is sin, and there is pain. It is biblical to groan at the darkness of the world, evil, sin, and the brokenness and pain of this life. God is a just God who grieves for it all and has dealt with all of it. So Jesus is Lord over all of it. 
he will destroy evil and when he comes again he will bring uh, he will bring judgment and there will be no more suffering for all eternity we need to recognize the spiritual darkness the mess and the pain we don't have to deny it's there and but we choose to fix our eyes on jesus in the midst of it we need to allow god to be all who he really is in scripture meeting us in this broken world with his holy undistorted love meeting us with his power and authority in the midst of the broken world we always have a reason to praise god and to thank him for who he is and what he's done in the cross and resurrection and how he's with us now and for and for eternity however that does not mean that we should never feel sad or distressed or grieved or concerned or that we should only look for the positive we can acknowledge broken places in our hearts and difficult emotions without saying we don't believe God or that we are ungrateful to him. The Psalms are full of deep, honest heart cries and outpourings of emotion to God. The very fact that they're in the Bible and are used in public prayers for God's people tells us that this is part of a healthy relationship with God. We can use many of the words of the Psalms to, to help us pray. I often find I didn't even realize I was feeling something. But as I read a psalm each day, the words help me to see what's going on in me and give me words to bring my feelings to God. Often psalms express difficult feelings, but then point to who God is greater than the struggle or with me in the struggle. Many psalms end in hoping in who God is and praise. They often speak truth into painful, confused thoughts. Some Psalms continue in pouring out distress without a happy ending. But God wants to hear our honest heart cries. Psalm 13 says, how long, Lord, will you forget me for, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Psalm 10 verse 1 says, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And Psalm 6 verse 6, I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with tears. God longs for authentic relationship with us. One thing I have found very powerful especially over the past two years is to just bring whatever I'm thinking or feeling to Jesus and I picture laying it at his throne as an offering I pray very simply I bring you the trauma I bring you my fear I bring you my sadness I bring you my weariness I bring you my questions this is my offering to you today Psalm 62 verse 8 says, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Yes. You are my hiding place. Psalm 32 verse 7. Psalm 71 verse 3, be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. God wants to be your refuge and fortress, your hiding place. He wants to cover you with himself and protect you and give you rest. 
Jesus wants you to just flop on him, to weep or to shout on him. He is Lord over all, and he can move in circumstances and redeem them for his glory. He will reward us in eternity. But that is not the same as positive thinking that says there must be good in this circumstance. I have to find it. I will stay positive. It's not really that bad. This is about making Jesus himself and his eternal victory our hope. It's pouring out to God honestly all that is in us and running into him as our place of safety and rest. When we don't make Jesus our hiding place, we run to other things to escape the feelings. Maybe they're feelings we don't want to feel. Or maybe it just makes us feel better to run into other things. Maybe it's habits, food, treats. Maybe it's social media, spending money, entertainment, relationships, hobbies, exercise, dieting. Some of those things can be healthy stress relief if we go to God as our refuge first. But if we do not, they become our hiding place instead of him. So let's take time to pray, Jesus, am I making anything else my hiding place or my refuge before you? Where do I go with all my feelings? Sometimes we don't bring our emotions to Jesus because we feel we should have more faith. And if we did have more faith, we wouldn't feel this way. Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sorry, we're having a lot of problems with the slides today. So when you hear that Bible verse, what kind of voice do you hear saying those words? Is it condemnation? Is it God shouting at you harshly? Do not be anxious. There are many places in the Bible where we hear God say, do not fear. But this is not condemnation. It is not saying fear is sin. So you are unspiritual. No, this is about an exchange. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So we need to pray about and throw onto Jesus all that we are anxious about so that he can give you his care. We, it's an exchange. We put our anxiety on Jesus and he gives us his care. And we thank God for who he is, this Philippians verse says. We thank him that he's with us and he's for us. Even if we don't feel it, we can still thank him. And then we invite him into the center of our fear and anxiety. And then the peace of God that is beyond my thinking and my feeling and beyond all the circumstances can guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I can be covered by him and surrounded by him in my thoughts. There's an exchange. Second Timothy 1 verse 7 
for God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control. Love, power, and a sound mind. I've learned to pray this exchange over specific moments, relationships, and thoughts, especially in the last two years. I've learned to pray, I give you the fear. Now you give me your spirit of power, love, and self-control, and a sound mind. It's a beautiful exchange. Some people like to say that the Bible says 365 times, do not fear. I think that's because God knows it's really hard. Mm. So maybe that's one for every day of the year. Not condemnation for every day of the year, but God's loving encouragement to us. The problem is when we think I shouldn't be feeling this, I don't want to feel this, then we try to suppress and squash down strong emotions or to escape them. And we don't let the Holy Spirit into the center of it. Sometimes we close the door uh, or lock the closet or close the box and keep Jesus out because we think we shouldn't be thinking like that. We don't let Jesus in to speak truth into it. Even if the emotion involves sin, like jealousy, pride, judging others, slander or anger, hatred or sexual temptation, greed or coveting, even if the emotion includes sin, we still need to run to the cross and take it to Jesus. That is the place where he can deal with it. When we don't surrender emotions that lead into temptation, then we don't allow Jesus to forgive us, to cleanse us, or to set us free from sin. And then we don't welcome him to fill those places with the Holy Spirit. When we don't take our pain or sadness or anxiety to him, we don't allow Jesus to heal us or to comfort us or to help us. We don't allow him to speak truth to us or to show us himself. Not only that, but if these emotions are constantly squashed down, squashed down, often they come out in other ways, in our relationships, and are more likely to lead us into sin or bondage. It may be that they come out in self-destructive behaviors or addictions or illness. So there's a spiritual battle for the territory in our hearts and minds. The Lord of heaven's armies wants to protect you and fight for you. Where we do not ask Jesus to fight for him for us by inviting him into our, the center of our thoughts and feelings, the enemy will try to move in and take ground. Jesus calls Satan a thief, a destroyer, and a liar. So invite Jesus in. Run to him with every thought and let him fight for you in your mind. God reveals himself throughout the Bible as the God who was and who is and who is to come. He knows our past, our present, and our future and all our thoughts about them. We need to welcome God's spirit into our past and our present and our future. Often we don't understand ourselves, how present emotions are affected by past experiences or how the past and present affect our feelings about the future. But the God of the past and the present and the future does understand. And he wants to meet you 
in all of that and bring his truth and his healing and his wholeness and authority in it all. You don't have to understand all your thoughts and emotions and you don't have to carry them. We can pray, untangle me, Lord. You carry me and you carry all these feelings. I welcome you, Jesus, into my past and my present and my future. Sometimes we don't even know what we're feeling or why we're feeling it. Or it's too overwhelming to face it. And our simple prayer can be, I come to you, Jesus, just as I am now. Whatever is going on in me, and I don't know what it is, but whatever is going on in me, Holy Spirit, open my hands and help me to give it to you. Meet me here. Speak your truth to me here. Fill me with your Holy Spirit in this. And then we can pray, Jesus, rule in my thoughts and my emotions. I want to just read a, a, a good picture of all that we've been saying from John chapter 11. And I hope you'll have a bit more time to go back to, and read this yourself later. So the background is that Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus has died. And though Jesus heard about it earlier, he didn't go straight there. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, this is John 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, who is come into the world. So did you see what happened here? We come honestly to Jesus. Martha says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then Jesus speaks the truth to Martha because she's come to him. Jesus can speak the truth to her of who he is. I am the resurrection and the life. He invites us to receive him in this particular circumstance and emotion. And, and he does that by saying to Martha, do you believe? And Martha basically responds, I believe who you are. So when uh, verse 32, John 11, verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at her feet, at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. So even though Jesus can pray for Lazarus to be raised, Jesus is deeply moved by the suffering and sadness. He stopped and wept tears with those grieving. Jesus stops and weeps with you. And then John 11, verse 38. 
Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for it has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And Jesus prays to the Father. Verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So Jesus asks the crowd to open the tomb, the place of brokenness, disappointment, decay, and a bad smell of death. They question, but they obey him and they let Jesus in. And Jesus comes to the tomb and brings resurrection life. So what if they had said, no, we will not let you in the grave. It's too distressing, too dead, too smelly. What if they had said no? Hmm. What about us? Will we let Jesus into the places of our thoughts and feelings that are broken, painful, decaying, or too messy and smelly? Jesus wants to breathe his resurrection life into those very places. And we miss it when Jesus is not welcome to come in. Lastly, Jesus asks other people to take off the grave clothes for Lazarus. He gives us his people a part in helping one another. So Stephanie's going to continue to share uh, with us now. Well, I, Jesus has really been doing a lot in my life in terms of just bringing his emotional wholeness and his mental wholeness to me. And so I, I just want to share with you some of the ways in which Jesus has really been speaking to my heart. Um, one of those ways is, is all of what Fiona has been talking about, this, this beautiful exchange of giving my emotion to him and, um, and his taking on his life and receiving his life. So I want to read this verse for you, but actually we're going to start, if you can kind of find your way in the middle in Isaiah 41, verse 10, and it says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Now I, I have been studying this verse and and it's a famous one for me one that I love but I had been struggling because I had been struggling with debilitating fear fear that was crippling me from being who I am fear who that was keeping me up for nights on end I just found myself debilitated and crippled and so I I in the kind of way that Fiona was talking about don't do I had become afraid of being afraid and I I had really sensed God God's voice being one of, of, of condemnation, which it's, which it's not. And so even as I was praying with a dear friend and, and looking at this verse together with her, we, all of a sudden I saw what was before it and it's here for you. But as for you, Israel, or as for you, Stephanie, my servant, Jacob, Stephanie, my chosen one, 
descendant from Abraham, my friend, I have called you back from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant, for I have chosen you, Stephanie, and will not throw you away. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. And it goes on. I had never put, I knew that I was chosen. I knew the scriptures that said, don't be afraid, but I had never put them together until I saw this, these verses together. And I just wanted to write in my Bible, this huge red, God has chosen me. And therefore I don't have to be afraid. Therefore God is with me. And and I, and as I was wrestling through these, these verses, God gave me just the sweetest tangible illustration. I don't know about for you, but sometimes I need, I just, he comes in such real and practical ways. My husband, my son, and I were out for a walk around the neighborhood one day. And as we turned the corner to head back home to our house, this, our neighbor's huge, Labrador retriever started running straight for my son who was kind of running out ahead of us and my son in terror turned and ran and and tucked himself behind me and the lab whose name is Mac after a Mac truck if you can imagine um comes comes barreling around me just to to greet my son well I scoop up my son who is petrified in my arms and I find myself saying to him it's okay I'm here it's okay I'm here it's okay I'm here it's okay I'm here mm-hmm. and as I was wrestling through that later on I I really was asking Jesus to help me understand this idea of that I don't have to be paralyzed by fear And I I felt, because I knew Jesus wanted to teach me something more in it. And I felt like Jesus was showing me that my son's reaction was appropriate. My son's body was doing exactly what God intended it to do. He was afraid and he ran. And I scooped him up and I held him now in a place of safety. And I could see And I understood what my son didn't understand in that moment was that number one, Mac's really friendly. (laughs) Number two, the owner was right behind him and that my son was safe in my arms and with my husband's strength right next to to us. That if anything (laughs) was gonna happen, we were here to protect him. And I could whisper the words of truth out of my love for him and my son's place of safety now. So Jesus is bringing his resurrection life to my heart and to my emotions. And Jesus is also bringing his resurrection life into wounded places for me. Um, I, I didn't realize that, and I, I, I think we all do this, but I'll just share from my own experience that I kind of built some of my life around some wound. My heart was wounded. And so I built walls around and I had put in some pretty strong foundations that were based on um, preserving my own heart and protecting myself from pain. So just with the wear and tear of life, now I found myself married, well, I didn't find myself, I was married happily with two children, and, but life inside of me and around me began to crumble. 
and um, and the foundations that I didn't even know were faulty were beginning to cave. Hmm. And I I love this next scripture that we have um, from Isaiah fifty four. Isaiah 54, 11 through 13. O storm-battered city, troubled and desolate, I will rebuild you with precious jewels and make your foundations from lapis lazuli, which is a beautiful, rich purple stone. I will make your towers of sparkling rubies, your gates of shining gems, and your walls of precious stones. I will teach all your children, and they will enjoy great peace. And so I find myself still in the middle of God's kind of remodeling project. And if you know anything about remodeling, if you know anything about foundation reconstruction, it's messy. And you and I don't have to be afraid of the messy because God is in control. He's, he's the one that is doing the reconstruction. And as Fiona has shared, we can trust him. And I have found him in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the undoing and of the digging up <laughs> and, of the, and of the surrender. The, the, it feels like almost a constant daily posture of surrendering this wound or this hurt or this lie that I didn't even know I was building my life around, I have found Jesus to be so caring, so kind, and so generous with himself, and so tender, and, um, and so present. He has been very provisional to provide all that is needed, whether it's a, a phone call from a friend or a, a Jesus sister to pray with or a counselor to talk to or a book that to read he Jesus has been faithful so I I uh, went out to the dollar store and I I got um dollar store gems if you can see them there in my little face and uh Jesus has been so kind to remind me this is what I am doing in you this is I am remaking you and I am building your foundation and your walls. I'm exchanging the battered ones. I'm exchanging the broken ones with, with my jewels, with my gems. <laughs> and then the other place that he is reminding me and bringing me his resurrection life is from John 14, 15 through 18. And it says, if you love me, obey my commandments, Jesus says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, as you shared with us, comforter, encourager, counselor, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And one of the places where Jesus is really bringing his resurrection life into my heart is with his presence. So Amen. of my life, I think I felt like I was trying to figure it out on my own or do it on my own. And he is sweetly coming with his presence that I'm not an orphan. I don't have to 
figure it out on my own. He, he is the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who fills us when we ask him to, and he will lead us into all truth. And I am finding that he is true. I, I just want to give a living witness that all that Fiona is talking about tonight is true in the life of Jesus, through the love of the Father, through the power and the life of the Holy Spirit that lives in you and me when we invite him to come. He is faithful and good. And so I, I praise him and I'm excited to see just the work that he continues to do, will we'll continue to do. I pray from now until I am home with him, just the continued work in my life that he will do, continue to do. And the reality that um, he's faithful and he's good. Amen. Thank you, Stephanie, for that beautiful witness. Um, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit bringing us wholeness. And we need to be determined to receive it. Wholeness is not what the enemy wants for us. So we need to be alert to the battle. And I want to finish tonight just with some very practical suggestions about the battle. Firstly, um, from Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Mm. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So come to the cross. Jesus carried all our sin there. He also carried all the sin that is done against us there. The blood of Jesus saves us, washes us clean, sets us free, and heals us. Keep running to the cross. By his wounds, we are healed. And sometimes those wounds in us feel so enormous that we feel like they, they're beginning to kind of swallow us up from the inside out. But Jesus says his wounds are bigger than our wounds. He is able to cover all of our wounds with his um, holy wounds. By his wounds, we are healed. Keep coming back to the cross. And um, the next thing I want to talk about is just powerful prayers for us and against the enemy. Jesus defeated the evil one there at the cross. So the, the, his blood over our minds gives protection. And I want to encourage you just to pray the blood of Jesus over your thoughts and feelings. Uh, it, it, is, it is everything that you need. Pray the blood of Jesus over your mind for saving and cleansing and healing and freedom and protection. And we're praying it against the enemy. He's terrified of the blood of Jesus. And when you pray, pray in the name of Jesus. Say it aloud, sometimes after every phrase of your prayer. Not only does scripture teach us to pray in Jesus' name, but you are also speaking Jesus' name, the full power of his cross and resurrection over yourself and against the enemy. So pray in the name of Jesus. And then 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, 
we take captive every thought to make it obedient to, to Christ. So take thoughts captive. If, you, if you've done the homework this week, there's some more uh, helpful ways to pray this. But take thoughts captive. Sometimes those thoughts uh, are like background music that just kind of goes around and around in our head. And we really never recognize what, what we're thinking or, or say it out aloud. Other times it's thoughts that are intense and they're overwhelming us constantly. Sometimes it helps to write them down. And sometimes we need to talk with a trusted friend to work out what those thoughts even are. But we need to bring them to Christ and welcome him in. However much you think you should not be thinking it or however afraid you are to face those thoughts. Take hold of them. This is how we take thoughts captive. And then we welcome Jesus into the center of that thought. Jesus, you be Lord over this thought. I surrender this to you. Spirit of truth, lead me in truth. Fill this place in me with your Holy Spirit. You rule over this thought, Jesus. So those are some practical ways to just take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And then be aware of truth and lies. Be very careful to look for any ways that the enemy may be speaking lies or just distorting truth to oppress you. Whatever you, whenever you bring your feelings to Jesus, pray, speak your truth to me in this. And that may be about you. It may be about God. It may be about others. It may be about your circumstances. It may be about your feelings. And it may be about eternal realities. But ask Jesus, speak your truth to me in this. If you have a persistent thought that is a lie or a half truth or distorted truth, write it down and ask the Lord for a truth from scripture to combat that lie. Write the Bible verse out and put it somewhere you will see it and memorize it if you can. And then speak that scripture aloud whenever that thought comes into your mind. Because we're not just speaking the scripture for ourselves, we're speaking it against the enemy. We can't always identify those lies alone. Sometimes it helps to talk about things with a trusted friend and allow them to help you identify lies and speak biblical truth to you. And then worship is a war song. So worship aloud, even if you don't feel like it. This lifts up our heads above our feelings and circumstances, and it fixes our eyes on God and welcomes him to rule and reign. Worship also silences the enemy and welcomes the presence of Jesus to fight for you. Exalt him as king. Jesus, you are king, higher than these feelings, higher than these circumstances, higher than any other spiritual forces involved. I often find it helpful to listen to a worship song that lifts up the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and King or sings about the victory of the cross and resurrection and the blood of Jesus. The enemy hates those songs. I pray along with the song, aloud if possible, and I praise him over other people, over feelings, over circumstances and thoughts. 
Uh, if it's nighttime and I don't want to wake up my husband, then I think through the words of a song deliberately. And if I'm just stuck in my head and my thoughts are spiraling uh, in distress or, or fear of what's going to happen next, uh, then I find that praise invites the Holy Spirit to interrupt the spiraling thoughts and speaks God's truth and authority and his life into my mind. So praise is a battle cry and worship is a war song. And then take up <clears throat> the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. Read scripture aloud and thank God that it is true for you, even when you don't feel it. This lifts up our head above our thoughts and feelings and helps us to receive God's word of life. We're also taking up the weapon that Jesus has given us against the enemy. Write verses out, put them where you will see them. Use scripture in your prayers and your praises and memorize verses if you can. And spiritual oppression in our minds. Sometimes there's a much deeper battle going on in our minds. Uh, we may just need to close some doors that have been opened to darkness, either by me or by someone close to me. And those doors to darkness can be opened by occult activities, future telling, astrology, contacting the dead, willful rebellion against God, watching dark things like pornography, listening to or reading very distorted sexual things, watching or reading stories about witchcraft or evil spirits, or playing uh, games to do with witchcraft and evil spirits. All of those things can open doorways to darkness. So if you feel that that's something that's, that's happening to you, then just come and repent before God. Ask forgiveness and say you want to leave those things behind. And then ask Jesus to close that door to darkness and cover it with the blood of Jesus. And welcome Jesus to be Lord over your mind not any other spirits, only Jesus as Lord over your mind. And lastly, I just want to encourage you, uh, it's really important in difficult or painful relationships, or just in interacting with groups and authorities, we want to pray Jesus stand between us. Jesus stand between. You rule in this relationship. Invite the Holy Spirit into the center of the relationship and refuse any other spirit to be involved. Then we pray, Jesus, stand between. You shield me with yourself. Whatever they throw on me, you take it on yourself, Jesus. And then help me to look at them through your heart because you're standing between us. Help me to look at them through your truth. And I'm praying as well, when they look at me, I ask that they will see Jesus because you're standing between us. But I want to finish tonight uh, by just taking some time to really pray together. So let's pray. Lord God, we want to praise you tonight that you are our savior. We praise you that you are our redeemer. Thank you that you are our loving father. Thank you that you are our healer and the restorer of our souls. And we praise you that you are the Lord of heaven's armies who fights for us. Thank you that you want to come as our helper 
and our comforter and our advocate. And so we invite you today. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you meet us? Help us to trust your love. Holy Spirit, come into the center of our thoughts and feelings. Would you come into the feelings that we're trying not to feel? Jesus, will you come into our background thoughts that go round and round without us really realizing them? Oh, Jesus, would you come into those intense thoughts and those overwhelming thoughts? Jesus, I welcome you to be the center of my thoughts and emotions. And Jesus, I pray that you will rule and reign over our thoughts and emotions. Cover my mind with the blood of Jesus. Lord of heaven's armies, fight for me. And Lord, we want to pray today that we would receive your shalom wholeness. We want you to be our peace. We run to you as our refuge and our hiding place and our fortress and our rock. We want to be covered by you, protected by you, and filled with you. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we want to pray that your spirit of truth will lead us in all truth in our thoughts and emotions. Would you break any lies today in Jesus' name, any distorted truths or half-truths? We receive your truth today. Would you reveal yourself to us? Speak truth to us, Jesus, about you, about us, and who we are to you. Would you speak truth to us about eternal realities, spiritual battles, and personal circumstances? Jesus, speak your truth. We worship you, and we praise you that you are good, that you see us, and you understand us better than we understand ourselves. We thank you for your kindness, your gentleness, and your love. And we pray that you would meet us today and make us whole. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>